Good afternoon and welcome to Recovery Central Changes Podcast. Good afternoon, gentlemen. Good afternoon, Richard. And how are we this week? All right, I think. Well, I can only speak for myself. I'm not too bad. I'm good. I'm how are your Echo Dots? Let's not talk about it. We <laughs> really don't want to talk because the people that have bought them for have decided they don't deserve a present anymore, so I'm stacking them up. Right, <laughs> well, make a tower of them. Right, yeah. fine, that one's over yeah, for this yeah, week. Yeah, 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 okay. Moving swiftly on. Oh, so, like five ter- terabytes for one echo box. Is that, is that yeah, going to yeah. work? Okay, that's the catch. That's, that's the, the catch, catch. now. Mm. Um, oh, yeah, 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 that, that'll do, yeah. You can have, yeah, you yeah. Can have one. For you. Oh, you're doing a product exchange, right? <laughs> You want his hard drive and he wants your Echo Dots. Yeah. You really do want them, Neil, you do. Yeah. I think I need two. <laughs> Roddy's telling me. Yeah, I need one for each room, bathroom. Mm. Neil's all right today. Could do with a bit more like time management skills. Couldn't we all? I could do with a diary. If yeah. anyone wants to buy it, if anyone wants to invest in a diary. That's a good point, actually, because I, I use the phone diary, but I still keep a paper diary. And it's not because I'm an old git. It's actually because I find it's the easiest way of making sure I have these things booked and planned. And I keep it next to the bed, and it means I see it every morning. Yeah. So anything that I've missed on a reminder one that is there in black and white every single morning, yeah. that's really helped me. On the date, on the yeah. page. Yeah, yeah, page by page diary yeah. if necessary. Pen, paper. Yeah, I know it sounds incredibly old fashioned, but it's actually <laughs> no, very no. effective. Nothing more powerful than a pen. It's far better than Outlook, to my mind. <laughs> Yeah, that's about it really. Time management. Bubblegum TV late at night. Um, I need to leave alone. Bubblegum TV? I'm calling it bubblegum for the brain. Junk. Yeah. Yeah. I'm peeling myself off the sofa at the moment, which ain't good. So, so it's like bubblegum for the brain and within like 10 minutes I'm sleeping. And I'm peeling myself off the sofa. So, yeah, a bit of management around. Easy to of... fall into trash television, isn't it? Yeah. And DVDs, but you've seen the film already, but you think, oh. But yeah, I'm good apart from that. Yeah, I suppose I'm sound, man. Everything's good, man. I can't complain, to be honest. Well, you could complain, but we wouldn't listen. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we try to. We always try to listen when people complain. We're not here to complain. Mm. Anyway, what's the first thing? Oh, yes, I wanted to talk about NASA and space. Yeah. This is a bit oblique. It's a bit off the wall. As alcoholics and addicts, we all do things in our jobs where... We are hiding things from everyone and everyone. And we do manage to get away with it, a lot of us. Talk for yourself. Yeah. (laughs) Well, yes, I was a teacher, but I never drank in school. But I just thought, what's the most difficult job you could have where you're trying to sneak a bottle of vodka into work? How difficult would it be if you were going on a space mission to sneak booze onto that rocket, do you think? (laughs) I would get it on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what I meant, Ronnie. How would you get it on? Well, you'd have to go with my space. You know, that bit where you pee and, and like... Uh, yeah. you, you've researched this? <laughs> you have to have like a pee thing inside where you pee. But oh, you put vodka in you don't pee, but have vodka in there instead of, you know, more different and... <laughs> just pissing in your suit down your leg, that'll be all right. So you're pissing your leg and then... Formula One drivers, like where they got their... <laughs> 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 uh-huh, yeah. Provided no one else sees you actually drinking your own piss. Yeah, yeah, that's important, yeah. Maybe they have space vodka. Maybe it's like <laughs> capsules, because yeah. they just accept that there's a problem and let them all get drunk when they're on the shuttle. I would freeze it. You can't freeze vodka, can you? I've tried that. Vodka <laughs> jelly. You can't you integrate it into the soup somehow? I mean, the soups are so yeah. big, like, you know, you just kind of sew in another... 
pocket on the inside somewhere, innit? And just slip it in. Like, you want it neat, don't you? You don't want to start messing about a bit. Then it's got to be neat, yeah. You, you can't, can't be diluted, no. No, you want it neat. No, you want to kind of hit the spot, don't you? Don't, I think um, I want it to hit the spot. You know, so I don't want it kind of diluted. And if it is diluted, I don't want it with my pee anyway. <laughs> the first of my saying that was not just to test you. It was actually to point out the absurd lengths that we will go to to conceal or to acquire <laughs> or to hide the fact that we've got drugs or alcohol around us and in our day-to-day lives. So I was deliberately picking that as an example of something that's so difficult, so absurd. Now, drinking was never really a thing for me. I think I could end up getting some of my drug of choice on the old show. (laughs) (laughs) And the paraphernalia that need to do that stuff as well. Even with the checks, even with the checking metal and everything else, you found a way. Uh, It's ceramic, mate. Ceramic. I'd get away around it. <laughs> I'd try anyway. <laughs> Which is precisely my point. That no matter what the restrictions, no matter what the rules and regulations, to us in active addiction is red rag to a bull, isn't it? Yeah. I'm going to beat that. <laughs> it's something I absolutely don't need to do. It's not of any value to anyone. It's purely about me getting off my face. But I'm going to beat it. Yeah. And I'm going to be the one that does it, gets away with it. Mm. I'm going to get pissed in his face or... Do whatever we do in space. <laughs> you know I mean? Maybe that's why they swinged off the Maybe that's why there's a big claim that the moon landings were faked. Because actually, by the time they got to the moon, they were all pissed. And when they got out of the shot, they were flat on their face. <laughs> so they thought, shit, we better refilm this when they get back and make it look real. What can we just we, get? Well, I found, it, I found it on the moon. We can't, <laughs> yeah. we can, we can't have everyone know that the astronauts weren't sober. I found it on the moon. <laughs> well, that goes into Someone's the, been here before. Someone's been here. <laughs> the excuses thing, isn't it? Yeah. It's, it's, I found it on the moon. It what an excuse. It was swear it was behind the ship. It was stuck to the wing. It was stuck to the fruit at the, at the wing. It wasn't me. The clangers got here first. Right, gentlemen, before we try the new game, let us go back to our dilemmas. You are married, but you get on very well with one of the women in your rehab and think there might be something in it. Do you, A, try and initiate an affair in secret, even though it's against the rules, B, plan to run away with her when you leave treatment, C, tell your wife you want a divorce to aid your recovery, just to clear the way, D, raise the issue with your support worker, E, make it clear to her you're not available. (laughs) Well, if it was me personally, I'd have to make it clear that I'm not available, but... I don't know, it depends what mood you're in. <laughs> it depends what mood you're in, yeah. <laughs> this is a real one, by the way. I think it's an experience. If it's a new process and you're getting clean for the first time, this is my experience for that stuff. I'm getting stripped of so much defects, this, you're starting to kind of become aware of a lot of stuff and you kind of think, my life is getting stripped away. Life as I know it is getting stripped away. Yeah. So you want to act out somewhere. And this is a perfect situation to act out and to kind of take back some form of non-control because you think you're in control but you're not in control. And like like you said, like around that, that space, you just want to be naughty. You want to yeah. try and get away with something. Because that's the first thing we look for, isn't it? Yeah. Where are the chinks? Yeah. Where are the yeah, cracks? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's where boundary pushing starts. And also, in, in a rehab situation, it's very artificial even from the first time I was in I thought this is incredibly artificial this is just 8, 10, 12 however many people it is 
who are only united by the one thing. Mm. And of course, as we're going into treatment, particularly for the first time, we don't really understand what we have in common with everyone else. Because the first thing I'm looking for is, he's a heroin addict, I've got nothing in common with him because I'm a dirty old drunk. <laughs> of course, I know that that's far from the truth. Mm. I have everything in common with a garden variety heroin addict. Mm. It's just that we took different things. But I don't think that was the first thing we had. Mm. And also, in that melting pot that you're forced into, you form, no, I certainly did, form these intense relationships with people who I didn't know. Yeah. Who I really didn't know. And yeah, this one is based on a real situation. It's based on someone that I know who went through rehab and who gave up his marriage over a woman he met in rehab. And they both left and went off down the yellow brick road and they both relapsed. Just like that. And then he couldn't see his kids, no nothing. And that's a snap decision. It's a crazy decision. But you're right, Neil, this thing about, I want to push boundaries because you've taken away my control over my life. So you touched on the defects forming part. Maybe the defects are massively active, yeah? Maybe they're just manifested not in drugs. They're just manifesting in that, just trying to be naughty. Defects are like a belief system or a, a, a habitual nature that you well, have. It's default, that, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, the, the default nature that we've built up over years of just Core being beliefs. naughty. And I think you know, the reason why that happens, Matt, is because in the first rehab situation, I know certainly for me, all I got was a fleshed out step one, which means I'm still mad. Mm. It just means I accept that I can't drink. <laughs> so I've got to the point where I know I can't drink. I know what happens if I do. However, have I come to believe? And the emphasis being on have I come to, first and foremost. <laughs> yeah. Have I actually come to? <laughs> because if I've come to, I can see that, hang on, there's got to be another way to live. Because what Neil's talking about, what you're talking about, what that says to me, I could be wrong, but what it says to me is I'm acting out because actually the alcohol and drugs have been taken away and I don't know what to do. And that was certainly the case for me that when booze was taken away, of course I started acting out in other ways because I was on default mechanisms because I didn't know how to live without being numb by alcohol. Yeah. When I realised that I was getting stripped or I felt <laughs> I'm getting stripped of my core beliefs and of everything that I know, I want to do this, so I've got to do all this stuff, what they're telling me, and I'm being resistant. And it was coming on to Christmas, and we've gone to the barbers, everyone was not nice for the Christmas. And I've told them just to sh give it a little shape up around the edges, but leave the top. And I continued with this for about six months, because I wanted my head just to kind of be, so I'm... <laughs> and it's crazy, you know, when I think about... <laughs> I'll just let it kind of grow naturally and nutty and everything right here because I'm like, yeah, you could take away everything from me, but you're not taking away control <laughs> yeah. of my hair. Yes. <laughs> and oh, I love yes. <laughs> And I remember going home after three months when you're allowed to go home and my mum looking at me and saying, she don't want to say it because I don't want to offend my, like, you know, you're doing so well, but you can at least, no, mum, leave me, I'm not combing my hair, I'm not doing anything. <laughs> I'm leaving it like just like it is. I've done that for about six months. You know, I just left it. It was a part of I've got control over something. Yeah. Have you got any pictures of that? <laughs> I'm sure I can dig oh, up no, some. I'm have a look because I'm thinking. The <laughs> first, first time I went to rehab, I shaved all my hair off and wet razors my head, and I kept doing it. Mm. I did it before Brittany. <laughs> <laughs> Britney saw you, didn't she? Of course, when I was on the psych ward, they wouldn't let me because it involved a razor. <laughs>
<laughs> right, you've not explained to your family that you're clean and sober and you go there for Christmas. Do you A, take a holiday from recovery and behave as per usual? B, sit them down and explain to them all? C, make a compromise whereby you can drink beer or cider but no spirits or taking coke? D, just don't turn up at all and go on a bender with your mate who relapsed? Or E, bring your sponsor? I like the one before the last. <laughs> <laughs> We're not really talking about looking for right answers here, are we? We're no. talking about looking at the dilemma and yeah, yeah. looking at it, one, as an addict in addiction and the other as a person in recovery, I suppose. You see, I suppose if, if you're at the beginning of your recovery, it's one of those times when you're thinking, you know, I could bend the rules a little bit and, yeah, just go back to my family, as I normally would and get pissed and blowed mm. and high on coke and get away with it and it's just well I have to because my parents still think I'm a, an addict so I can get away with that one I don't want to spoil their Christmas uh, <laughs> I don't want to spoil their Christmas by not spoiling I their Christmas I don't want to spoil their Christmas by being sober <laughs> <laughs> now that is real alcoholic logic <laughs> that is yeah. I think if for me, if I think that like, I've never been in this situation, but my, my thought best would be right. I'm, I'm going down. I'm going to tell them everything, and I'm going to be all right. And then progressively and progressively, I'd just be like, right, I'm going to go down. I'm just going to drink beer, and then I'd be like, right, a little bit of vodka, maybe. Yeah, just just one. And then I'd get there, and the fucking gloves would be off, mate. <laughs> yeah. and, and I would go ham, mate. And then I'd have an argument just so I could get out, score, and then I'll be doing everything I used to do and then I'll be coming back shameful and guilt and like, oh my God, what have I done? That's how it'd go, I think. Yes. Yeah, and Ben bring your sponsor. And yeah, and then I'd <laughs> yeah, bring, then I'd bring yeah. my sponsor, yeah. <laughs> That's exactly how it would go. Not today. <laughs> you know what I mean? There's a barrier you pass through, I think, when, certainly for me, when I'd accepted, I can't drink. It was, okay, what do I do now? How do I deal with it? And once I learned how to deal with things without alcohol in my system, something like that, mm. it was easy to sit down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Although I had to do what you're talking about on the train. I'd be going through all these different ways of phrasing it and going through all this panic of thinking, oh, what are they going to say? And doing that, were they relieved when I actually said, I'm going to try and be like this? Mm. It's a massive dilemma for an awful lot of people in early recovery, though, isn't it? Going back to families. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, families, yeah. we don't know what they're going to expect when mm. we've been in rehab. Yeah. What are my family supposed to expect when I've been away for X number of weeks or months? How are they supposed to know what's actually coming through mm. the door? Mm. Well, yeah. I remember my, the first time I went, it was very soon after coming out of the treatment centre, and I was petrified for some reason when I got there. I had it all in my head, that was going to be fine. I felt good about myself. But I walked through the door, looked at me, and my mum looked at me. She looked startled, I looked startled. <laughs> and like, she was like tipping around gently, gently and stuff oh. like that and it was like I just wanted to get back to the, the asylum as I used to call it then and it just felt really awkward, just really, really felt awkward. I wanted everyone around me to drink, to get pissed so it didn't feel that awkward, I remember. Yeah. yeah. Um, Please don't compromise what you were going to do because of me. I don't control what you drink, it's me that can't. Yeah. I don't control the fact you want to smoke a joint, it's me that can't. And yet some families don't get that. They hide all the booze in the house. <laughs> yeah. And they and then, hide any cash. And then you feel ridiculed and then you're yeah. like, well, I might as well just go and do it anyway. Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah. That's what I'm like, a little, yeah. little, little baby attitude. Well, I'm gonna, if you want to... The thing is, that attitude is still there. Occasionally it's still there in me and I'm quite a long way from, from a drink now. But occasionally I still think like that. And I think like that because I'm an alcoholic. Yeah. 
It's about connection, isn't it? They say, like, what's recovery about connection? And the tiptoeing around and making sure they don't talk about drink or, you know, and it's separation again now. That's mm. what you're saying, like, yeah, like yeah. get me back to the asylum, get me back to my tribe, you know? <laughs> because they understand me, like, here, I'm here, um, I still know. feel like that. Yeah. Man. I went home and, and I remember the cancer saying to me, don't expect the bunting and the balloons and all that, because <laughs> you're not going to get it. And it was a party I went back for. It was uh, my sister and my mum had their celebration together. Their birthdays are a few days apart. And I'm coming to the venue and like, my mum's gone like, because the West Indian like fruitcakes laced with white rum, isn't it? The excuse is to keep it moist. Yeah. Oh, yes, absolutely. <laughs> That's yeah. the justification for the white rum. Uh, half a bottle. Yeah. <laughs> And my mum going, don't give me none of the fruitcake. <laughs> and I'll see my auntie at the corner of my eye, like a little beeline, like, you know what I mean? <laughs> Bobbling over to me as fast as you can with a little walking stick. <clears throat> Why can't you have none of the fruitcake? What is wrong with you? And she's thinking there's something physically wrong with me, you know what I mean? Well, there is, isn't it? You know what I mean? I've got a physical energy, in it? You know what I mean? And I'm going, no, honey, it's all right. What's wrong? Sit down, sit down. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, yeah, there's something wrong with my belly ain't too good. And like, oh, okay, okay. You know what I mean, I just left it like that kind of thing. But she did, she held it out. You know what I mean? Everyone looked around like, Neil can't have none of the cake. You know? <laughs> but there are these things, these huge social and cultural parameters. Mm. And any single member of, of any single family could have an expectation based around a social expectation, a familial expectation, a cultural one. And this means that suddenly everyone's aghast if I won't touch such and such. Mm. Someone could have made a cake specially for someone's birthday and I'm there mm. and I find out there's alcohol in it at the last nanosecond. <laughs> and the worst case scenarios, of course, is just when I'm about to try it, it's my mum who's checked, not me. And I'm thinking, oh my God's sake, why do I always do this? Why didn't I check whether there was booze in there? Why did my mum have to find out first? And then you can retreat back to that child again, don't you? Because yeah. now you're getting looked after by mummy. Like, oh, come here, hold my hand. Come here. I think there's also in families there's an element of we want to feel in control. And I often feel that sober situations, I certainly did at the beginning of trying to be sober, was that the people around me wanted to feel in control of not letting it happen to me. And of course, if I'm not careful, I get resentful about that. That's right. Don't you take the wine glass away from in front of me. I'll do that. But of course, why wouldn't they do that? They've had 25 years, 30 years of me behaving like an animal. Mm. <laughs> mm. Yeah. And of course, I think that because I've been sober for five fucking minutes, that they're all going to suddenly say, oh yeah, all is forgiven, everything's going to be one yeah. It all runs the way you want it yeah. to. We're going to forget about all those Christmases you ruined mm. and all those birthdays when you turned up that you ruined, including your own. You know what? The very rare occasion I see my mum, if I'm tired, that's it. The alarm bell was ringing. My mum says, you, you, look, you look really, really tired. Have you been drinking? Have you been drinking? I hope you haven't been drinking. Oh, of course. I'm just yeah. tired, mum. <laughs> Please, mum, I know you do some. Well, you might do some if I say it. So I'll just have a to listen. <laughs> you told your support worker you have a sponsor, but it's not true. When challenged, do you A, 
invent an invisible sponsor who you met at a fictional meeting that nobody else knows. B, claim to be between sponsors because the first one didn't work out. C, admit that you lied. D, say that you're waiting for someone to confirm, then ask the very person later that day to try and cover <laughs> your tracks. E, tell them you don't need a sponsor because you don't need to be told what to do. Yeah, I'll be all over D. Say so you've got someone. Yeah, yeah, say so yeah. I've got him and then I'll go and ask that guy so I could reimburse my pack of lies. <laughs> yeah, I have got it, but I have got a sponsor. That scenario is happening because maybe you've asked for something or something like, you know, they're, they're kind of making sure that you're following, yeah. you're travelling right, as they call it. Mm. Right, oh, they generally will ask that support yeah. workers in rehab. Yeah. yeah. I'd have to agree with Matt on this one. D, because I'm, I want to do what I want to do, and it, it should be B, really. But it's... Well, it's the thing, though, isn't it? It's going into a dry-ass living scenario, and you've got to find your feet. And one of the things you're told you've got to do is go and get a sponsor around the rooms. And you see someone who is doing everything by the book, who is phoning them every day, and who has got all the nice books from the meetings, whether they've got the big book, basic text, whatever they've got, they've got them all, and they're all there on their desk in their room, and you think, I really don't want to be a goody two-shoes like that. Can I just tell them that I've got a sponsor, even when I haven't, just so they'll yeah, shut up? Yeah, yeah. Because actually... I had no understanding of why I needed one when I first went into that process. I didn't see why I needed one. I thought going to the meeting, surely that's going to be enough. And then I've just got to read a book, haven't I? Shows about how much I listened the first time I went into treatment. I certainly didn't understand what a sponsor meant until I started working with one. And of course I'll look for the easy way out. I'm going to say, yeah, I've got one, and then I'll go and ask him. Mm. <laughs> please, please, please say yes, because I want to get out of shit with the rehab. Or you do this one, what I've done, I do this one, is when you're looking for one that can walk on water, the levitates, I should say, when he comes into the meetings and he's like, you know, holier than thou. But he's cool with it as well, he's like a Fonz, isn't it? But he's... <laughs> the Fonz? He's like yeah, fonz. I want to be sponsored by Henry Winkler! <laughs> yeah, but he's, but he's working a programme on a dip, like, you know, when he speaks, he speaks like Christ itself kind of thing. You want the combination of the two, and it's just never going to happen. And you're resistant, so you wait. And you wait, and the people doing that stuff with the books, they're telling you, just get somebody for now. And you're like, nah, it needs to be the perfect guy, kind of thing. Yeah. Anything like me, then three months after coming out of treatment, you decide it's a good idea to well, put one in you. Because, <laughs> like, you've got no power in it, you've got no understanding. Mm. Like you're saying, you're reading a book, and but you've got no understanding of the book. It's know? step yeah. two again. It doesn't matter how, I mean, I've read thousands and thousands of books because of my background, but there's reading a book and there's learning to live it. And the reason why I need a sponsor is because he's already been through that book. Because my sponsor has a similar educational background to mine. And he went through the same intellectual denial that I did. Oh, it's just a book. And I've seen an awful lot of lying and chicanery in dry houses around sponsors. Saying I've got one. When I haven't. Yeah, yeah. I've seen the invisible ones. I've seen the people with the books who appear to be doing everything that looks like they're doing everything the right way. And it's all bullshit. Yeah. I've seen that. And you actually discover that the phone call to the sponsor, I've even seen one where the phone call to the sponsor, the phone wasn't even turned on. <laughs> it starts ringing when it's yeah, I've, even, <laughs> I've even seen that. And then you see the people that are absolutely devout about doing all the right thing with books and they do all the step work and everything. And they, and they relapse anyway. Yeah. 
Because the fact is, this isn't a school project. When you said there about you're waiting, you're waiting, you're waiting, wait, there's a fine line between that. And obviously there's no perfect yeah. Messiah sponsor. <laughs> Messiah. You know what I mean? But you, it, yeah, finding the right person that resonates when you get a, a feeling of a hope, you know. And then the intellect, yeah. Scientific intellect is a barrier for the spiritual intellect to feed through us from the power that I draw from. The, the factual basis in that, you've got to see it to believe it. That sort of thing is a barrier to this stuff. So you can use it as a school book, mm. write all your things and get it all done and make sure you've got it all done and you you have a little bit of an understanding of it, but the connection is not there. I've seen you know a lot I mean? of people do it as an academic exercise and I did the first time. And yeah, there's understanding it on an intellectual level, but there's also breathing it. And the thing particularly for me about step one, two and three is that I can put them in practice in any situation. But if I'm struggling around another person or a situation, I've got a couple of things going on at the minute. When I exert no control over that person or situation, if I'm in that situation, I have to find a way to extricate myself from it or accept that I can't do anything about it. One of the things I've got going on, I know I can't do anything about it and it's one of those things that I've just got to let go and carry on doing what I'm doing. And that is going from, okay, I'm powerless over this. Can I do anything about it? Do I need to ask someone else how to deal with it? Which occasionally I do. I may well ring my sponsor up and say, what do I do here? Because I want to smack him. Or what do I do here? Because I know this isn't right. And he will also say to me, does it need doing now? Does it need doing by you? Or does it need doing at all? And a lot of the time... I have to go through this process of, can I do something about this? Is it within my control? If not, how do I manage this without doing something off-key? And do I need to let it go? Or do I need to hand it to someone else to deal with? And usually, if I apply step one, two, three in any given situation, there's usually some form of resolution. Mm. That resolution might be that I just let go. It might be that I walk away. It might be that I say my piece because something needs saying. But whatever it is, I have to go through that process to get there. Whereas if I just do it my way, cherry pick, just take little bits out of the book, quote a couple of things and say, oh, my work here is done, then it will go wrong, won't it? More often than not. And you have to be careful with scenarios as well where it's a good thing what's going on. Oh, yeah. You might have to do one, two and three for a good thing. Do I really need this in my life at the moment? Is it something that I can really take on board as well? Can I fit it? Me, unmanageable. I'm like an octopus sometimes. Oh, yeah. I could get it in. I could do that. Well, I could do that at 4.30 in the morning because <laughs> I've got to leave at 6.30 and I've only got two hours to do that. Yeah, well. So if I do that at 4.30, yeah. then, of course, on the night shift, between 11 and 1, I've got to do this. Yeah. And then you look at it. Oh, dear. Mm. I don't sleep. And with me, what I've kind of found in times gone past, it's to do with finance for the future or finance right here and now and if it's finance for the future I've got to get in with that person build a relationship because they're dangling something in front of me as well if I play the game right in the future there's going to be a bit more money there and if it's finance right now I'm definitely trying to invent another couple of hours in a day 27 hour day like you're saying that and mm. get it in somehow it's usually to do with that so I have to be really careful like when good opportunities are coming my way as well because I'm yeah, because it's tempting to just say yes to everything that sounds good, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, and just forget about, well, you are forgetting about recovery, but your head's telling you you're not forgetting about yeah, recovery. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's not a negative, it must be good for me, without thinking about balance.
you've not paid your top-up to the rehab, spending the money on new trainers instead, when challenged, do you A, say your mum bought you the trainers and you've still got no money, B, say you've paid your top-up, they must have made a mistake, C, start an argument for deflection purposes and accuse someone else of not paying his top-up, D, fess up, E, start comparing your situation to another housemate's because they've paid no top-up at all, even though it's due to the fact they haven't been paid by Universal Credit. B, C and E. <laughs> oh, you're multi-options man on this. <laughs> well, I was just say I thought I was ahead. So I thought I'd have a month off, you know. I paid in advance, and you know what? Mm. Yeah, I won't go down the road. But yeah, four weeks. I paid four in the front. front. I've stuck for four weeks. Mm. This is what I would do. I'm not saying I've done it. Mm. I've stuck for four weeks. I could catch up on. So you know what? You didn't realise like four weeks in advance. So. When our payments <laughs> changes, top up was still done by cash. It wasn't done by no, backs or no. whatever, and by standing orders and direct debits and stuff. And I paid in cash every week, and I kept all the receipts. And when they were doing a check, the office manager said to me, "I know you paid yours." I said, "Yeah, I could prove it to." Yeah. Um, because obviously, when I came through changes this time, it wasn't the first time I'd been in there. So I made damn sure I paid my top up. Yeah. But the tangles I've seen people get in over it. Yeah. Yeah, because one month top, becomes yeah. four months and they're playing catch up when they haven't really got enough money to play catch up. Yeah, yeah I've got a bit of that going on. Just don't yeah. get yourself in the situation where you think, fuck it. Nah, yeah. nah, to be honest, when I first came in, I didn't know my fucking ass from my elbow. So it was like, just settle in to the fact of I don't have to run around. Well, I was just getting used to living relatively normal. Just forgot about paying rent because that's something I didn't do. Well, you don't. You, I don't know. I didn't. If I got paid rent or if I got money from Universal Credit for my rent, that's coming out quick time, mate. Before that rent date is coming, it's out and I'm using. And then I'll be there for three months and then I'll be on to the next. Until <laughs> yeah. so the landlord gets sick of you and then I'm like, see you later. Endless cycle of carnage, credit rating is rubbish, but it's gone up 16 points. Things are getting better. <laughs> and they will. Yeah, yeah. In spite of my meanderings on Amazon, mine's certainly getting better. And it does all the time. So I was looking this morning, because of course I got paid early this month. I do not need to look for things I do not need on Amazon. <laughs> I might go on at Ronnie about the Echo Dots. I'm only doing that because it's funny. Yeah, it is. But you know, I'm very guilty of suddenly finding things Something. that I don't really need. I need a new pair of headphones because I might lose my spare pair. <laughs> I might leave my spare pair on a difficult bus ride or when I'm going up to Yorkshire. So I need a new pair. I need a third pair now. And this is really, really important three or four days before Christmas. No, I don't think it is. But in that moment, it feels that way. Well, I bought a laminator the other day because I had to print off this sheet. So you bought a laminator? <laughs> yeah, but this sheet was a price list from the books because I'm doing service and I'm literature. And then one of the guys said, yeah, I'll send you the price list. And he said, have you got access to a printer? And I did. I brought a printer when I was going away. I needed to print all the documents for the flights and stuff, yeah. so that's why I bought it and then I reuse it. And the laminate, I've laminated this thing now and <laughs> yes, I've got a laminator. I can see with this, you know, put all this together carefully and we'll come up with our board game eventually. Oh, yeah, that's it. Yes, anyone who's listening, this is a really central idea. We may sound at the moment like we've got absolutely no idea what games we're supposed to be playing 
what the rules are, what means what. Really, we're just talking about recovery. But eventually, these things will take form. Yeah, and Ronnie's got a laminator, <laughs> and he's going to use it. I'm definitely going to use it. I'm definitely going to use it. Now I've got a laminator and a printer. I just need enough, a laptop to go with it. <laughs> and if you're listening to well, this, you echo dot, Ronnie says hi. <laughs> yeah. no, Actually, you... we could use the echo dots for recording, couldn't we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bounce them around. Yeah. <laughs> I, like well, I, I did borrow them. I forget the echoes, Jesus. Yeah, okay, we'll leave that. The laminator is much more important now. The next time we're recording, you hear a light tap on the table. It's because we're using specially laminated cards. Yeah. Although, of course, I do have access to a laminator in the office anyway, so what am I talking about? It's just something I can give you to do on it. Yeah, yeah. And we yeah, can yeah, say, yeah, yeah, Ronnie yeah, did yeah, that. Yeah. And I've got free ink as well, and you can send it over. Free ink? Free ink, yeah. With the laminator? No, with the... I get... Yeah. What, instant ink? Instant ink. I've got instant ink. It's by far the cheapest way to do it. Well, we'll search online see if there's any extra codes because you get six months free anyway. And I was yeah. searching online any extra codes, and there was another two codes. There was another for another two months, another for one. So I've stacked it up to ten months free. Wow, free inks. You get a lot in those cartridges. You know, in the first lockdown, was you one of those like where Amazon was at your door every day? Amazon Steve's out the door. Every day. <laughs> Yeah. I'm nowhere near that bad. Every day. I have an Amazon day and I don't use it every week. Listen, if I need a blister plaster for my foot, it comes from Amazon. I'm not joking. <laughs> <laughs> the same day delivery now and all sorts. You don't need to leave your house now, do you? When I was at university, you'd have like stupid o'clock uh, alcohol deliveries. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. there was no 24 hour shop close to me, it was about three hours walk. So you could get like three bottles of alcohol delivery and that. Right, this is another one that I certainly encountered. One of your housemates has run out of money and has nothing to eat. He has to borrow a tenner. Do you A, lend him the money, B, lend him the money telling him he has to pay it back at £1 a day interest, mm. C, suggest he goes to see a support worker to see if he can get a food bank voucher, D, cook him something and suggest you sort it out in house group the next day, or E, tell him to fuck off? Well, I'd go down for the double bubble route. I'll borrow you to me, you owe me 20. <laughs> well, that's is, fierce of interest, that is. I used to be in the wet house, I used to live in double bubble. Yeah, is that, what, were you the banker? Yeah, I was the banker in the house, yeah, yeah. Honestly, I was had the book and everything and credit rating for everyone else. You're so ridiculous, though. You had a book. The credit rating. Oh, yeah. <laughs> credit ratings. I had a, honestly, I had a book. And it was so funny because the new people would come in like trash, like I've heard you're the accountant. Can I have credit? I'm like, you won't be just here one day and they'd be gone the next day. How sick were you? <laughs> I take it you don't do that in your current dry house environment? No, no. I'd make them food. I would credit check them though. If they wanted to borrow it in I'd certainly cook for someone if they mm. had one. Yeah, I'll cook, definitely. Yeah. I'd definitely do that. I think I'd probably do a couple of them in order. Mm. If I knew them a little bit, I'd lend them a tenner. Yeah, depends how well you know Depending them. Depending how well you If they're yeah. in for a day, I'd no yeah. chance. But if they kept repeating it, I'd be yeah. like, look, you need to go get a food bank. And yeah. I was, maybe he's having a bit of trouble with food, might need a bit of support around food bank. Because food bank, for me, <clears throat> this time I came around, this is the first time I've ever ordered a food bank. Mm-hmm. It's a bit reluctant to do so, because I'm, yeah. I'm a proud yeah. guy. That, but I, I do get food banks if I'm skinned. And then, yeah, if he had nothing on the day, I'd be, it'd be in a, a certain order. I'd either, like, make him something, or I'd batch cook anyway. So, oh. like, just, just, just want one of them, or... 
But you make a judgment call on something. Yeah, apparently. Like I think the guiding rule, it certainly was for me, what you just said is, if he's only just arrived, then no chance. Yeah. I mean, I'll always cook for someone if I think they're bloody starving. Oh. But one of the things I might mention on the sly to whoever's mm. in charge is, maybe you need some help with budgeting. Mm. I don't know. Because mm. it's a very common problem in dry houses that people come into the dry house, they've never budgeted before. No, they actually don't understand how to budget. Mm. They don't understand things like top-up. They don't understand the reason that top-up is there is to replace the idea of paying bills because they've never paid bills before. Yeah. They've never been to a supermarket before. Well, the crazy one that I've seen is like they go to the supermarket and then they come back and then they go and buy a takeaway. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, 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 that's brilliant, that is, isn't it? And then they've got no money, like, about three days later, you think, like, well, why have you got no money? And they're 100 flags a day and all that kind of scenario. And then, um, that's what you call, like, talking about membership at a nice gym or something. Star. Yeah. <laughs> To a routine, you, you start to realise. Hang on a minute, yeah, I'm, I'm, I've got a roof over my head. I've got, I'm not living in one of those. What do you call it? Them bed seats where I used to live in and stuff like that. And yeah, it's nice. It's worth the twenty quid to have a nice house to live in. All well, and we shouldn't forget that's what we get, isn't it? Yeah. And we get these things because we go through the rehab process and because we want them. Mm. And of course, we're going to have things that go a bit awry. I was talking to someone yesterday about the moving on from that dryer scenario because you feel like you've grown up enough to not want to babysit other people. Yeah. And, I mean, I certainly reached that stage and thought, I don't want to do it like this anymore because I can't cope with these mad people. Mm. And of course they're mad because they've just come out of treatment. Mm -hmm. Everyone's mad when they've just come out of treatment. Everyone's got their head up their ass when they're in treatment. That's the way it is. And of course, like you were saying earlier, the reason why people have their heads up their asses in treatment is because all the drugs and alcohol have suddenly been taken away and they don't know what to do. Mm. And gradually learning what to do because I've got no stuff in my system, I'm no longer permanently intoxicated, gradually finding out how to live is going to take me quite a lot of time. It doesn't happen overnight. It doesn't happen in a few weeks. And if someone starts saying, oh, I found the sponsor as the Messiah and it's happened in a few weeks, <laughs> really... Don't believe them. <laughs> no. They're really fucked, you know? <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Anyway, gentlemen, we've run out of time for this week. I believe we were supposed to be playing the game, but I'm really not sure what it was. <laughs> anyway, we've looked at some dilemmas, and next we've looked at something else that might involve dilemmas, might not. I don't know yet. If you'd like to send us any game formats that might be a bit more like games than what we're doing, that might involve rules that we can actually follow, then please do. You can find some recovery central on Twitter, on the Changes Facebook page, or you can email us at podcast.changesuk.org. And before we forget, yeah, so if you are affected or know anybody who's affected by the topic we've spoken about today, plenty of help out there. So if you have to reach out, don't suffer in silence and help us there for you. Yeah, yeah. Nice yeah, to Absolutely. So it's goodbye from me. And me. And me. And me.